doink, doink. Doink, double doink. doink. Yeah, yeah, double doink. Doink, double doink. Feeling it, feeling it, fe- fe- feeling it. Do- doink, doink. BDN. How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. I don't feel great. Yeah, you, you're getting you, a little sick. Well, yeah, it's what happens when you're around I carrier monkeys. Healthy. Like, yeah, great. I got it from you, carrier monkey. Listen, that's the point, is I've passed it along to you. Blood Brothers. Gosh, you guys don't realize, though, I, I can't win these ones. Like, and, Oh, because you got no spleen. Yeah. No, yeah, we knew. Way yeah. to bring it all about Nobody yourself, cared. Chris. Nobody cared. It's all about your spleen. That's right. You went on television. You did your thing. You said the Bears were going to win. Oopsie. Oopsies. Seven and three now, which is, I want to say, for you to do 10 picks on NBC and you're seven and three and everyone else is nine and eight. Damn. Good for, that, for you. And that game... And I still, I still pissed off that the Steelers lost to the Chargers that night. That oh, was another wow. one I was oh, wrong. So at. you could have been nine and one. Could have been. That's Should what happens when you bet against the Eagles and the Chargers. Uh, apparently. Uh, before we get going and recap all four games, by the way, this is how we're doing it this week. Uh, today is going to be kind of recapping everything, some of the storylines and, and putting some of the teams to rest. Wednesday, we're going to do all film. Yes. So we're not going to do any film today. We're going to save it for Wednesday so you can really dive in. And then Thursday is our gambling, betting, forecasting. Yeah, and uh, and for that show, too... I will definitely go back into, you know, cow, um, no, not that game. What the hell am I thinking of? What's our rematch from this week? Eagles, Saints, sorry. Yeah. And I will go back and have some tidbits from that game. I don't sure. really know what you're going to glean from that game. Yeah, the it's Eagles not gonna ain't losing by 41. I'll Maybe, tell you that I would not, they're not going to lose by 41. They're certainly not. You could have just Eagles stopped are back. that sentence at least. Hey, the Eagles are back. They're back. This is the game I needed to see to believe it, okay? Mm. Just so you know. But they have gotten back to what made them a really good football team last year. Can you do me a favor and yeah. ask me that? The Oracle? I'll let you touch my ball. Yours? Yeah. Only one of us went 4-0 and this past week. Ew. Only one of us made a perfect $1,600. Look at you losing money All left and right. All $1,590 that I made. You lost $10. <laughs> You're pathetic. Oracle 4-0. I, a few things just from the gambling perspective. Do you realize that in the in the super in the last two playoffs, underdogs are fifteen and one against the spread? In the in the playoffs? The last two playoffs. Wow. Because That's... yesterday, um all four or the last this past weekend, all four underdogs covered. Because for a lot of people, Cal- Dallas was oh, two and Dallas a half. Dallas covered, right. We got it at one and a half. Right. Right. So we still covered. We still cover. So what was the one that didn't cover? Do you know? Did you look it up? Don't give me stats like this and tell me they're 15 and one. It was and sometime last year. I'm going to guess it's the Patriots. I mean, damn. I'm going to guess it's the Patriots. Damn. Damn. Okay. What was? Wait, who did the Patriots play in the divisional round last year? Who'd they play before they played the Jacksonville Jaguars? Titans, they beat their ass. That was that definitely was the, the cover. Definitely that was hundred percent. That was the, the game cover. where I, You're we, welcome. I kicked you out of the house when he threw the amazing third down throw where Brady ran to the right. Yeah, you kicked us out of like and fourteen I, nothing. No, like, this game's it over. wasn't that. It was like there was like you guys wanted to make the train. It was and like there was like eight minutes nothing. left in the game. Yeah, and he made that amazing scramble to the right and threw it across the field. And I was like, all right, it's over. Let's it's go. It's over. It's yeah. over. Uh, before we get going, and we're talking about Super Bowl and all that stuff, we want to officially give you the schedule. If you're joining us in Atlanta, and I'm getting a ton of DMs from people saying that they're going to be in Atlanta, we have a system that we need to do because we're worried it's getting packed. But I want to do it because we want you guys there. 
We are going to be at Dantana's in the CNN Center. That is Dantana's in the CNN Center. Rhymes with Santana. But it's Dantana's. Dantana. It's a huge bar. They're giving us their spot for the week. Right near the stadium. It's right near Radio Row. There's a bunch of hotels and bars. It's going to be like right outside the NFL experience. So it's easy to get to in downtown Atlanta. But that's going to be our spot. Tuesday at 5 o'clock, we're doing a podcast. Wednesday at 5 o'clock, we're doing a podcast. This is the week leading up to the Super Bowl. Thursday at 6 o'clock, we're taping our show. Friday at 4.30, we're doing our podcast. Here's how this is going to work. Email. Are we going to do our show live that week, Thursday? I think we're taping. I don't think we're it's taping. It'll come out the next day. Okay. But email simsandlefko at gmail.com. Give us sort of like your name and some information and how many people because there's going to be like seating and all that stuff for you guys to reserve seating because there's also going to be random people coming in because we're going to have big name guests. Like they're going out and getting us like big name football players. Like, like who? I don't want to commit to anything. You don't want to promise anything. Uh, so the your the big thing is send your name. Uh, let's do full name and how many people to simsandlefko at gmail dot com. Again, that's Tuesday and Wednesday. We're recording at five. Thursday at six. Friday at four thirty. But dude, I I, I want to say this also for everyone that said, oh, I want to come in for the draft. I don't think it's happening, guys. Like I'm just gonna put it out there. Atlanta, though, is the full weight of the Bleacher Report. We're going to have a studio. We're going to have a set. We're going to have a bunch of activities there. We're going to do trivia with you guys. We're going to be hanging out when we're not recording. Uh, we're going to just just be kicking it with athletes and you guys. So if you can make it to Atlanta the week leading up to the Super Bowl, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at Dantana's, we'd love to see you there. Cool. It's the first time we're ever doing it. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm I mean, excited, too. It's going to be cool to have the audience there and just interact. And I'm let excited them for the first time they all kind of get in and get comfortable yeah and then you say something very off color and everyone's like like oh. what up fuckers and then they're welcome like, dan dantanas yes yeah something like that exactly yeah. right. look at all these assholes yeah hey they good? i feel like i've heard of dantanas before are there more than one is this just a singular entity in of the course, dantana i don't know it's the only dantanas in the world wow that's a lie. Yeah, I thought Fendrick's it was a lie. I feel like I know Dantana's. I just don't know where from. All right, we are going to start this game. Ogie. We're start- going to start Ogie Guess with the Bears and the Eagles? Well, how about this? I'll let you start wherever you want. Let's start with the Bears and the Eagles. For yeah. respect for the Super Bowl champions. You got it, pal. I like a little respect. I give respect, even though I am rooting so hard against you, mofos. I don't care. Where's my Saint hat? I want a saint hat. I, I want have, one of those pointy saint hats. I am now full New Jack City. I am wearing a ski mask to j- record j- this. J- just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, did you get that? I tried to tell you. I said two curses so far. Josh is already on me, listeners. I tried to tell you. You doubted the Eagles. You thought that the Bears could match up with them and push them around, and that Nick Foles was nothing but a hologram. Well, let me tell you something. What you witnessed was perfection. The Bears got the exact game that they wanted. Mitchell Trubisky threw for 300 yards. Allen Robinson broke the all-time record for Chicago Bears receptions, receiving yards in a playoff game. 
Nick Foles had two turnovers. The Eagles had costly penalties that extended Bears drives. One penalty ensured that they got a punt t- uh, for them at the one, making them try and exist in a shadow of their own goalpost. But it was the goalpost that set them free. Hector with the block. You can talk all you want about a missed field goal. The best defense in the NFL allowed a 12-play, 80-yard drive with a fourth-down touchdown. One year before, the Atlanta Falcons tried to drive on the Eagles, and it came down to a fourth-down play on the two-yard line with 58 seconds left. No good. The Eagles, 58 seconds left, fourth down, two-yard line. Oh, guess what? Real good. (laughs) Not just good. Golden. No, golden. Golden good. Golden Golden God. The Eagles are clicking. And I lost my headset. It doesn't matter. I don't need to hear myself because the only thing I hear is the swan song coming off of Nick Foles' golden arm. The Eagles are back. And now, guess who we're taking on? Yeah. The most overrated quarterback in the history of the NFL. A guy that shouldn't even be mentioned in the same breath of the MVP conversation as Patrick Mahomes. This week is going to be glorious. Let's go, Saints. Let's go, Saints. I just hope you know, to Saints. all the Saints fans I picked you to go there. to the Super Bowl, and I'm riding with the Saints this week because I can't take it. Philadelphia was a great story in 2017. I can't take it anymore. As a residence Giants fan, I've had enough of the story, and I am never rooted harder against your football team Perfect. than I will this week. That's what fuels us. Right. I want to apologize to all the Sims and Lefko fans that didn't realize I was like this. It happened last year during the playoffs. It's happening right now. It's a level of fury that I'm not used to. Leave that on. Let's see how sweaty your forehead gets to this I'm show. leaving this on the entire show. Okay, good. The... Uh, Oh, that was gross. You just licked the edges. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I, It is funny. I mean, just to start there, it, I really was sitting there. I really thought all week that the Bears were like your Eagles team last year, right? You I were mean, saying that. And then, then they got down there in the fourth, fourth and goal, and I'm like, holy cow, this is like Atlanta Eagles from last year. I thought about you a number of times during the game yesterday. But let me say this much. I always root. For the better team. I root for the better team. And I understand Because I want to see the better games the next week. And let me just tell you this. Oh, my gosh. The better team won. You You right now are better than they are. You were better yesterday, and you've been playing better the last few weeks. What is it? I need to see yesterday to kind of confirm it because I did – On film, you mean. I thought you matched up really well with the Redskins and an inadequate quarterback and a banged-up offensive line. The Houston Texans, we see their own line's not very good. Right. So I just thought, ooh, these are – Rams offensive line Rams are kind of in a bad point. I just thought they caught the Rams. you didn't think that the front four of the Eagles could create that much pressure on on Mitch. Yeah, they did. And and it was – hey, I think the Bears' O-line did pretty good. I thought so too. But – Yes. I mean, just overall, the Eagles were the better football team. Your Eagles have gotten back into what has made them a special football team. We've talked about that. You're healthy on both sides of the line. Of the reemergence of Timmy Jernigan to go along with Fletcher Cox and Michael Bennett. Right. There's, to get Jordan Hicks and Nigel Bradham at linebacker, they didn't have that last year. Exactly right. Can you, like... They took advantage a lot, the Bears did and Trubisky did, of like Cravon LeBlanc and Avante Maddox a few times. Sure. But overall, they're just all playing better. I like mean, even Rasul Douglas, it doesn't make any sense. It, well, I, I think the big thing is, is 
you know, they've really simplified things in the back end. Something that we were crying for early in the year. Well, like less blitzing, blitzes, yeah. less crazy things in the cover. Let's just be good at what we do and be sound and simple. And that's really what the Eagles have been. They've gone, just let's rush four. We're going to keep seven in the back end. Everybody's going to do their job. And as, a, as everybody does their singular job, we will be great as a unit. And that's really what they bought into. I watch guys like Malcolm Jenkins making – I mean, that's the one thing I respect about the game. Tell me. Well – He's got all these young, inexperienced guys around him. And if you watch Malcolm Jenkins during the game, I mean, he's got, he must say nine paragraphs before each play. Because really? it looks like he's telling everybody in the secondary to what to do. He's always going, you know, this, this, and he's giving signals, and he's telling this guy. Uh, but it's an amazing job, not only by the team itself, but Jim Schwartz, you got to give him credit. Doug Peterson, once again, and some of the magic uh, that he is able to pull off, especially in gotta-have-it plays or situations. But, yes, you outplayed the Chicago Bears yesterday. And you were the better football team. And really probably would have controlled the game if Foles doesn't throw the two bonehead interceptions to where the you Eagles, would have dictated the flow of the game from there on out. And last Eagles thing, dropped three interceptions, and one of them yes, could have been a pick had, six. Exactly right. Had some chances early on, certainly. And, and they dropped a few picks, too. So I don't always like to yeah, look at it that of way. Course. But, yeah, Foles taking advantage of some matchups outside. That was huge. And what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, to your point on your your you know your speech you gave there at the, get, the beginning. I mean, you're exactly right. The Bears got the game exactly where they wanted. Like this was not a they fluky would have Eagles signed, win. Right? They would have signed the contract if they said Eagles We're get give you a thirty-eight rushing lead. yards. Right? Yeah. Five point lead with four minutes left, and we you have can to take it right now. Yeah, they would be like. Oh, yeah, we'll take that. We're going to win the game then. And yeah. Andrew Trubisky's going to throw for 300 yards? Yes. They would have been like, double sign. Let me do that. Sure. The statistics were a Bears win. Yeah. No they really were. Right. Uh, how about this little nugget? Uh, this is from uh, Kapadia down there in the Athletic in Philadelphia. Yeah. Eagles have faced Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, and Khalil Mack during this four-game winning streak. Yeah. Those three players have combined for a total of zero sacks and three quarterback hits against them. How about that? It's pretty impressive. J.J. Watt, he fell off towards the end of the season. I'll just yeah. tell that to everybody. J.J. Watt's still phenomenal. I get that. But J.J. Watt had troubles against Braden Smith the other day in the Colts game, too. He he certainly kind of lost steam down the stretch. But your O-line being healthy mm-hmm. and the fact that, yes, when your O-line's healthy, we've talked about it last year, and, and you know, you're one of the biggest teams in football, mm. and you don't need to help out certain guys on your line. When you, you can't have these... see, but I'm very excited but, about you saying Yeah, that. so when you have that healthy – well, we said it last year, I was just saying, but I know we didn't get into these specific points this year. But, yeah, you don't need to help anybody. And guy like Jason Peters, I, you know you heard me say this earlier today, the really big tackles give Khalil Mack the issue. Khalil Mack really makes his money usually – overpowering the 315-pound tackle because Cleo Mack, even though he's 255, 260, packs an incredible punch, and you have seen him in person and know how powerful he is. But when he doesn't have the power, he's not the type of guy that can win with speed consistently. And Jason Peters, Cleo Mack ain't going to beat him with power. So that's where I think that matchup really worked out. But then you have Brandon Brooks to go, oh, I can guard, I can block Akeem Hicks by myself. Yes. You know, those are the things. And then Lane Johnson, and still had a great whoever that game. is, he did. He still had a great game. But 
they didn't. You guys aren't ruined or compromised when you leave your O line five on four, where a lot of other teams are compromised in that situation, and it ruins their game plans. Eagles still felt the need to run sideline to sideline the Too first much, half for right? no reason. Yep. Uh, Nick Foles, I didn't think played great. Golden Tate really made a, a big statement game for him in this sure. franchise. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is my favorite receiver in the history of the Eagles. He is. Because the competition is what? Harold Carmichael? And he's a lot like Howard Carmichael. A little bit. And Carmichael wore, what, 17? No. Howard Carmichael wore number 17. I mean, you have Google. But I'm just saying that Alshon Jeffrey's performance in the Super Bowl last year, what he does on a regular basis and how he's come alive, he's incredible. Yes. But I really thought one of the big plays 17. Of the game, that's Damn awesome. you. So they wear the same thing. I'm a Redskins fan. I mean, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm that's not a great. Fan. The um, the 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 last drive, second and ten. Yeah, the ball is thrown at the feet of Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. Scoops it up, gets hit by three guys, spins out, and somehow gets the first down. He also had the touchdown earlier. Yep. Dallas Goddard's ended up being a real weapon for this offense. Yeah, and I love it, especially because, like, the thing about the Eagles, they play like a young person does in Madden, which is when you're thrown across the middle, you just throw it high. Throw it high to Alshon. Throw it high to Ertz. Throw it high to Goddard. Because when you're playing a team like Chicago, you can outjump those yeah, guys. Yeah, Kyle Fuller, Amukamara. They're, they're not. All they're smaller not made guys. for that much. I got to give. You know who said that all day yesterday is Tony Dungy, and I got to give him credit again. He's all over the Eagles right now. Like he's been spot on. He the has. Last few he picked weeks. on to beat the Rams yeah, too. Yeah, he's been spot on about them. What's he been saying? Well, he said that point right there. He goes, I don't think maybe the Eagles will be able to do a lot of the things they want to do in the short passing game that's yeah. made Foles so successful. But he goes, the problem I worry about is I don't think these corners can match up with some of the size of the Ertz or the Alshon Jeffries. And, and that was a valid point, and that certainly bared to be true. Where were you when the kick went up? Uh, I was at my house sitting there with uh, you know Charlotte, Danielle, and Philip. Philip was rooting for the Eagles. Really? Why? Oh, he loves Nick Foles. Yes. Yeah, he's, all, he's always been on Nick Foles since last year. So, Did you think it was going in? Um, when he got the practice shot, I said, oh, Doug Peterson messed up. He called the timeout too late and gave this guy a practice shot. He's going to make it now. now I That's knew, what I thought. Now, I, I was knew like, the issues here. I didn't know it wasn't a slam dunk. But I thought since he got that practice swing, I said, ooh, that doesn't bode well for the Eagles. Yeah. I um, it's a crazy game. So you know when you're – Awesome game. So you've probably never experienced this. As you can tell, I'm superstitious. Yeah. When I watch a game – Clothing comes off. Clothing comes back on. Yeah. Yesterday I had a hoodie. I had two Eagle socks on. Around the fourth quarter, all that stuff came off. I'm sitting there in a t-shirt, my underwear. Uh, I found one spot in the corner that led to a fourth to a first down on the couch. And then at, towards the end of the drive, I began holding one part of my couch and the other part of my couch, and that got the Golden Tate touchdown. That did. It was all about you. Ego right. is the enemy. Is the book you need to read? Okay. So then for the field goal, I went back to that. And when he made the first one, I went, damn it. You know, like I always hear it. It settles the nerves to see it go through. And as soon as it came out, I thought it was good the second time. Yeah. I didn't obviously notice the tip. You know, everyone's talking about now that Hector tipped it. They, they ruled the NFL it's, has officially ruled it a block now. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But I didn't, you couldn't see it. It's the, the, yeah. the faintest of blocks for it, it to go like that. But something like that. But I mean, just think, think about this target. for a ball. From 40 yards away, whatever, however far it is, 43 yards away, to go and hit a pole and then to go horizontal means that it has to hit the side of that pole so flush to just go sideways. And then for that ball to go sideways, 
it is now a 50-50 proposition. It's going to hit that ball, that pole, that crossbar, and go one of two directions. One way is the most disappointing loss for a franchise, ruining a dream Super Bowl season for the Bears. And I want to say this to Bears fans, I am sorry. I really am. Like, yeah, that's you've been so, there. I, I, of course I've been there. The yeah. amount of NFC Championship games I watched the Eagles lost, right. that's why I said if Mitchell starts out slow, I know what you're going to go through with fear. So I'm sorry that that happened. From all Eagles fans, I'm sorry. But if that went in, that may have been the most exciting playoff finish ever. Yeah. If that bounces off the crossbar and goes in, one NBC's killing themselves that they didn't have the right angle there. That like it wasn't like that, like right. come on the slow motion. Right. But if it goes in, I mean that place may have exploded. Yeah. No. It may, that would have been incredible to just fall in like like some Happy Gilmore stuff. Yeah, well, I mean we've seen them fall in that way before. I mean, uh, and honestly, when it went off the upright. And then hit the lower. I thought one. it was in. You couldn't tell the you angle. You couldn't tell the, the depth. Ball and then when it, it hit and in the I end yelled. zone, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it went in!" You and then did? I, I did. I yelled out. Do you hear that? And Eagles fans, I Sims thought it bounced gave us backwards. The win. You know? Sims gave us the win by doing that. And then I realized it hit on the goal line, and I thought, "Oh no, it's." Are not you in. still salty that Nick Foles was getting so much credit? I don't love it. You know, again, he was the number one story yesterday, and I get that. And he made a lot of great clutch Magic. throws. And, it, and listen. I don't want to take anything away from Nick Foles. I just want people to realize that just to say it's him and Carson Wentz was the issue, I don't like that. And I'm going to continue to fight against that narrative because, yes, Carson Wentz didn't have the benefit of the O-line being totally healthy or the D-line being exactly what it was. It wasn't Carson Wentz's fault. You know, the DB let up a 14-15 that would have ended the game on an out route against the Titans. So, you know, that's what's awesome about you guys is, you know, all the games you were supposed to win early on in the year, you found ways to lose them, and now you're finding ways to win them. I mean, you have recaptured that magic, and you definitely are one of the eight best teams in the NFL and deserve to be where you're at. What's a better combination of games? Um, Rams, Bears, Saints, Cowboys, or Rams, Cowboys, Saints, Eagles? Rams, Cowboys, or ooh. Saints, Eagles, or Saints, Cowboys? Yeah, probably Saints, Cowboys. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I can't. I don't go wrong with any one of those. I don't. I don't sit here and go. I mean, right now, for where we at, the Nick Foles Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl defending champion story is a sexier story mm. for to, to make football in the weekend bigger. Who are you taking right now, Saints, the Saints. or Eagles? Yes. Man, I'm taking the Saints no matter what. I'm wearing a Saint hat in here next week. This is perfect. I'm gonna wear the. I'm gonna get the Florida Lee. If the Eagles beat the Saints, right. We need to we need to take Nick Foles to an exorcist <laughs> after the season. Yeah, after the season. Make sure all the spirits are aligned. That was incredible. And the fact that on Friday I did an interview with a Chicago radio station and predicted that the Eagles would win as the ball bounced off. Should I play that audio? Yeah, sure. It's amazing. It's amazing it came back to that. I mean, that's that's what I think is hilarious about this. This is where life just exceeds Hollywood. You couldn't write that ending no. in Hollywood. Cody Parkey banging one off and up. At the Nick Foles story combined with it and the going down and scoring a touchdown late in the game. I mm. mean, all of it was just phenomenal. 
Danny told me he's predicting 24 to 10. What are you predicting for Sunday? This is a Chicago radio host saying it's going to be a high-scoring Chicago win. He was completely wrong. I think there'll be more points than that, and I think the Bears will advance to uh, the divisional round to play the Rams. I'm going to say in a beautiful fit of circumstance, a banged upright causes the Eagles to eke out the victory. And then I curse because I forgot that I'm on radio. What a... What an amateur. I just said, oh, I'm fucking with you guys. Yeah. But I wasn't. I'm glad I got bleeped because now nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, I was in shock. I was in ecstasy for two, three hours afterwards. My girlfriend's watching the Golden Globes, and I was just sitting there soaking it all in. I'm watching the video of the guy blowing it on his TV screen and thinking he blocked it. I'm I'm reading quotes from Jason Peters saying, we've wanted revenge on the Saints ever since they ran the score up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we got a chance. Right. The best part is, is this Eagles underdog narrative is is still alive. Yeah, of course it is. It's incredible. Nobody expected How to win How empowering is that to a team. Oh, like just fuel. I mean, it's just constantly they're going to be talked about how we're disrespected. They know it. They hear we're it. the so, biggest underdog of the week in yeah, Vegas. Yeah, exactly right. And then to lose like that, like I told yeah, you earlier Yeah, what's, what's the locker room doing well, right now? Well, to lose like that, not only are you motivated to get the second shot, right, because you're mad at how the first shot went, but I think what even furthers that is what I said to you earlier today. There's going to be the fear factor, too, which will make you even better. Because there is going to be, whether they want to admit it or not, the Eagles players, there's going to be the fear in the back of their mind going, are we as good as this team? Damn, they beat us 48-7. to You know what I mean? Which will help them throughout the week to prepare. Because they're going to go, damn, we got to play really good. We know we can't mess up. Foles can't throw two Everyone's interceptions. On and yeah, we can't mess up an end-of-the-game situation. Everybody's got to be all over What it. is Sean Payton saying to his team? How do you get a team motivated for a team that you beat by 41 points? Yeah, I, he's going to he's gonna say a lot of the things we're saying, that this he, is a different team. He's going to show clips of what they've done the last four weeks and say, you know, hey. Remember, he he's not, a master motivator. He might the game not even let his team watch the last game. Like, that's the kind of crap he might do. He might just go, wipe it away. Don't even worry about it. This is not the same team. They don't do some of the th- same things schematically. Look, they Sean Payton's a master approach. motivator. Before right. the Bengals game, when he was worried about a letdown after the bye, right. smash the fire uh, alarm yeah, to, to make sure that it goes whatever. off and they destroyed right. Cincinnati. Right. But, yeah, I just I feel like that same fear in the Eagles, I wonder, are the Saints right now, like, I know that we beat the crap out of them, and Saints haven't played since Week 16. Yeah, Rest sure. of the starters against yeah. the Panthers had off last week. Yep. No, you you might. I can't believe this. You could catch them early and jump out to a ten nothing lead because they're a little rusty, and you guys have been in playoff football games really for the last three weeks, so you're battle tested. That's what happens a lot of times in these type of matchups because one team is going, oh, we're the cool number one seed, and then all of a sudden it's like. Bam, bam. Oh, that was a right hook and a jab to the face. Wait, we're in a playoff game here? Oh, damn, we're down 10 nothing. When I said this about the Bears, and I'll say about the Saints, yeah. when you're expected to win and it starts crumbling, yeah. fear. But this is Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So Nick don't Foles that. has beaten the top-ranked defense in the playoffs two years in a row. Mm. Last year, the Vikings. This year, the Chicago the Bears. The Chicago Bears. And before we move on to the next game. Also, another thing that needs to be talked about. Drew Brees. We're coming for you, Drew. Oh, baby, we're coming for you. Okay, just had to do that. The other thing I was going to say with the um, um, 
the Bears. Let's just talk about them for a second, if you don't mind. First of all, Mitchell Trubisky was played really well. You're very happy about that. Well, I just don't want that to be the narrative. I mean, that's just stupid. I mean, you know, again, hey, was he perfect in the first half? No. But we're seeing that the Eagles' defense has made a lot of people not look that perfect. I mean, Deshaun Watson didn't look that perfect against them a few weeks ago either. What did you think about Nagy's two-point conversion call? Um, What was Nagy's two-point conversion call? I can't even think of the damn play right uh, now. uh, uh, Taylor Gabriel. Oh, Taylor Gabriel run, right? They tried to kind of fake dilly-dilly or filly-filly and run it up the middle. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. You know, but... It's thought out, and there's thought there. I can always live with that. I don't just go, that was stupid. They've done that play before. They've shown some of those What do you think about the refs blowing it dead uh, after the incompletion? Yeah, I don't fumble. like that rule. I mean, What is, should have happened in your mind? In my mind, I think logic would say that they should get the ball where the ball was released. Like The, the Eagles had a chance to recover that fumble. Not really. I know. It's a very the weird rule. The ref came over it's waving his arms. I have no issue with that play. I'm not looking Neither at that do play I. going, oh. You know, that's just uh, one of those things that happens, and I don't really know if there's a right fix to that situation because you're right. How are you going to live there and go, well, we're going to give them a completion when the Eagles maybe could have picked it up, but the whistle was blown, so they're listening to the fact yeah. that the whistle's blown and they're seeing a referee say yeah. complete. My biggest issue, again, is with the refs. Blowing the whistle or calling plays before they really know it's in the Chargers what's going game on. too. Right, just let the play play out. It looked like a catch. He took three steps. Let it go. Call it complete. And then there's let's go no from there. reason to ever blow your whistle. There's really not. But as we see in these playoff games, the refs cannot wait to blow their whistle. One other fundamental mistake I thought in this game, just schematically, right? The one thing, and I know I said this last week, rushing attempts would be important for for the Eagles. I mean. 21 rushing attempts. Is that right? Am I right with that? 21, 22? Okay, that was just the right amount. Just the right amount. But there there was on the other side in the Andy Reid school tree, and he runs the ball 12 times with his running backs the whole game. 12 times against the Philadelphia Eagles. Chris Collinsworth even said during the game, I still think Jordan Howard should be a huge because, player this game. Because when they lined up under the center and ran it up the middle, they did it four times, I believe. Three Six of the four yards. times were gashes. And you mentioned the one play where Malcolm oh. Jenkins hit his foot, and Malcolm Jenkins didn't hit his foot. It was his own player he tripped over. Yeah, now, if Jordan Howard, Jordan Howard could take that in the 60. house, right? It was a short-yarded situation where there was no second level. But... Yes, the impatience there to become that one-dimensional against a defense that's not playing well, I thought ultimately really handicapped the Bears and led to some of those stale periods we saw in the third and fourth quarter from their offense. Mm. Um, But either way. Great, great Bears season. Great Bears season. Bears, watch out for the Bears. I mean, the Bears, are they got the team to build and be around for a while right now. Well, we'll see because Vic Fangio is out doing interviews right now with the Dolphins and some other teams. Yeah, I think he canceled his Dolphins one today. Oh, did he? He did. But, yeah, they're at least, from the talent perspective, they are – uh, primed and ready to go for Cannot a run. I believe you said the Eagles were the better team. They that were. Makes me happy. I, I'm always honest, guy. I'm not here as much as I was guy. rooting for the Bears yesterday. Um, Mask update. It's getting hot in here. Yeah, take it off. I don't think so. All right, fine. Next one up. Yeah. Which game do you want to talk about I next? I don't care. You lead the show. No, What pick. do you want to do? Want to talk about pick. Let's do Chargers-Baltimore. Then. Chargers, Let's go in Baltimore. reverse order. Seven defensive backs on the field. If I would have told you that the Chargers were loading up to stop the Ravens' run offense, I would say, well, that means they're probably getting a lot of big people out there. 
It's so unconventional wisdom that it's beautiful. Gus Bradley said, we need to get more defensive backs on the field to deal with the side-to-side speed of the Ravens, which I kind of thought then the Ravens should have just pounded it right at the middle with Gus Edwards. But apparently, as you saw in the film for the first time they played, the Chargers actually did well in the middle. After the first two drives, they hung in there. You know that the only thing that I love more than the Eagles is multiple safeties on the field at a time. <laughs> and for them to have, like, five safeties four. on the field. Four and for lo- most of the game. And a lot of people would go, why doesn't every team do that? Right. Because not every team has the depth. Not every team has the four safeties that are, you can trust to put on the field and play two of them at a linebacker position. Yes, most teams don't have that. Your guy Mike Davis from the preseasons really turned into one hell of a player. He's a player. Really? I'm pretty good. All right, so let's start off with the Ravens offense, the like Chargers defense. Yeah, you're pretty good. I, I hear you. <laughs> But the Ravens' offense, I mean, universal calls for Joe Flacco yesterday. Universal. What did you think of that whole side of the no, ball? No, I just, I don't. I thought they were teetering. I don't think people saw how bad Flacco was this season. No, and I think they, they listen, they were they teetering on the edge? Like, I thought, like, every time I was like, ooh, if Lamar has Maybe a bad not. series here, Joe's coming in. But on those series, he always he had incredible. a few completions or did something to go, okay, let it, leave him in. Hey, this is where they got John Harbaugh is a Super Bowl winning coach because he doesn't abandon the plan just because it was a bad 30 minutes of football or whatever it may be. And even though the Chargers, again, were the, clearly the better football team on the field, um, there they were, two minutes left the ball. With the ball, with down, the ball six. down six at the 45-yard line. Yeah, um, I think that was amazing in itself, and I think that justifies the fact that they kept Lamar in just that in itself. And I know it wasn't the perfect. The scrambles, Lamar. the throws, the play to Crabtree when he rolled out to the sideline. Yeah, he made it. He's, the listen, dump he, off to Dixon when he rolled around. For right, like, that was an amazing, amazing. play. Derwin James couldn't get it. I mean, that was a gutsy and great That throw. reminds me of Packers Seahawks from a few years it ago. It was kind of like that. You're right. Um, but, you know, hey, Lamar also with that, the fact that they kept him in and he did battle back and made some plays in the end, that was great. But I'm also not going to give Lamar a free pass, and he's the one that dug them in the hole early. Uh, and I don't want to just say him. I'm going to include Greg Roman and Marty Morningweg in this conversation too. But one thing we saw throughout the year when Lamar took over, fumb- exchange problems. Yeah, what's that about? It's been going on in every game. And Tony Romo referred to it. He goes, if you've been watching the Ravens, they put two or three on the ground every week, but they've always seemed to recover them. And they just didn't recover them all this time. But that's what happens when you're doing the read option. You're putting a ball in the belly of the running back, and, and you're pulling running out backs at and different heights. Sometimes you adjust your distance from the center in the shotgun because it might be a certain running play. You might want to get a little closer to the line. Might want to get a little farther. So I thought one of the snaps was very hot and hard, which was not fair to him to handle. Mm. Um, the biggest thing I would take from this, I thought the Ravens were ignorant in their game plan. They, I love that phrase. They thought they were going to come out and just be like, "We're the ball." Baltimore Ravens, and this is what we do. We just overpower you. And same game plan as Week 15. I've, and I'll give a deep dive when we do the the Wednesday podcast. But it looked very exactly the same to me. I mean, and you know me, I pay attention to the little intricate details of the run game and things like that as I watch because I want to go. Ooh, what are they doing different? But no, it was all the same stuff. 
And what I would say is they really made it hard on Lamar. Run on first, run on second. Hey, it's third and nine. Can you bail us out? I mean, that's a shitty way to play quarterback. The Ravens and Seahawks offensive game plans felt very similar. Yes, I, and, and for different reasons, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I didn't think they gave him any chance to gain confidence or get in the flow of the game. No screens, Where's no little Goddard throws. Where's screen over the middle? Well, you know what I mean? There was nothing ever, what we would call in the NFL, drive starters. Yeah, they didn't really give it to Mark Andrews till the very end. Not Nothing. There was nothing cute and creative to go, oh, there's a nice, easy completion for Lamar. It's just like a basketball shooter. Yeah. you got to get to the free throw line and see one go in, and all of a sudden you go, okay, wait, this isn't that hard. Yeah, I they can were do just that. trying to smash it constantly. That's, and to your point about the four safety thing, this is where yeah. What was so effective? Gus about Bradley's it? a great coach. Been around Gus. He may He's, have just coached himself into a head coach. Well, he interview. deserves to be. I mean, he got stuck with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. So let's be real about that, okay? And that then was, what he built, Mayrone got to take credit. Exactly for. right. I mean, that's his defense, and they're running his scheme, and he picked those Gus players. Gus Bradley. Uh, but this is where my theory of the four safeties why they do it. First of all, I think it gets their best eleven on the field. Second of all, I think they realize. Wait. Why would we even try to get big against Baltimore? We can't get that big, and Brandon Meebane wasn't even there. Right. So Which I think they wild. said, like, forget it. Like, we're not really going to get big. Why are we fooling ourselves? The strength of our team is our speed. And I think that's where he just said, let's just cause speed chaos for these big, lumbering, you know, long neck dinosaurs, these big dinosaurs they got on the all line that yeah. maybe don't move that well, but can move people out of the way. I'm trying to find this, but I'm almost positive. Um, Chargers, this is from The Athletic. Yeah. Chargers defenders saw that the Ravens offense, though complex, seemed to change little week to week. They solved parts of it, like Ronnie Stanley's feet. Remember this storyline last year where people could identify a run or a pass based on his set? Well, when he set them about even, it was a run, and when he set his left foot further back, it was a pass almost 100% of the time. That's what happens in playoff football. But isn't that crazy that they deduced the Ravens' complete game plan to Ronnie Stanley's feet? And this is not the first time we've seen no, this. No, it's not. And it's this is what happens in playoff football, and that empowers the coach to go, oh, man, this is a win-or-go-home you know, win situation. Let's put all our eggs into that, or let's take a chance every now and then when we see those type of uh, alignments like or tells. foot issues. Right, tells. You look for those tells, but... Yeah, I think ultimately that's what they tried to do at the end of the day. They just said, we don't think they can block our speed. Let's make a mess of things and then keep some guys like Derwin James or Phillips or Bosa on the edge for Lamar when he keeps the ball, and they did a great job with that. Our guy Melvin Ingram was a monster yesterday. Yeah. No one has ever had a stat line like that before. I think it was two sacks, f- forced fumble, fumble recovery, all that stuff, and seven tackles. He's the second best football friends we know, though. What's the first? Me, you and me? Did I tell you that George Kittle DM'd me pictures of him and Trent Taylor and said, we're better friends than you and Sims? Yeah, like when they were posing and taking pictures together, like in dress up and all that? No, like another set. I saw like one where they were dressed like cowboys and everything. He just keeps sending me more, saying that they're better friends than us. I mean, they're not. Okay, good. Are they together right now? With like are you and me are? We're here. I don't think so. I mean, is one of them wearing a ski mask and the other one not? Um, But... Can the Chargers do that same game plan to the Patriots? To a degree. It's a different animal, and they're a lot smarter and a lot more diverse. So, But but why not put that much speed on the field at all yeah, times? I think they will, for the most part. Because the Patriots are not that fast. No, the Patriots are not that fast, but the Patriots are going to be... The Patriots are not as big as Baltimore. They're still going to have a size advantage, 
But where they're going to have a different advantage that Baltimore didn't as is their O-line is better athletes than Baltimore. Oh. So Shaq Mason pulling. Yeah, you said in a text that the Chargers focused on a Hurst. Oh, they put, yeah, talk about that. Well, they they Break it down. I think there's two people. And we talked a little bit on the the podcast last week where Orlando Brown had issues with Bosa yes. and Ingram last year. Yes. That was the two people they attacked. Ocheno Nwoso went around Orlando Brown to right. get the last strip sack fumble. Nwoso was awesome. He was, he's a very good player. But I think that was the one thing I noticed, too, as I was watching the game. When it was an obvious pass situation, they made sure they got Bosa and Ingram matched up against Hurst, which is their weak link on their offensive line, their right guard, who they eventually took out of the game and put Boanko in. Really? Uh, yeah. So you're telling me the weak part of that line was right guard, right tackle. Yes. And were they putting both Ingram and Bosa on the same they side? They did a little bit of both, but they always made sure one of them was kind of on Hurst. And they both abused him. Whether, How does a team figure out where the weak link is? Just through tons of studying, defensive line coach coming in to give his two cents, going, hey, I've, I've just watched this guy pass set you know, in my defensive line room 150 times in a row, <laughs> and he has hard times with these type of guys or this move or this, you know, so that's really what it comes down to. And, uh, yeah, when they got them behind the chains and knew they were going to pass, that was a mismatch for the Chargers, and they took advantage of it. Uh, Chargers offense. Yeah. What would you think of it overall? I mean, nothing special. The fact is, I think that just they got touchdowns early instead of having to settle for too many field goals right there. Oh, no, wait, I'm wrong. They only got they got no touchdowns. I'm, I'm wrong. Saying. It was all field goals. They was. It was all the short Ravens field goals. The Ravens defense was amazing. They're, they are amazing. Uh, let's see. My big point or takeaway from there was I really think that more than anything, the Chargers just didn't let the Ravens defense ruin the game, right? No, like, big turnovers. No sack no, fumble. No like, here you got the ball at the five-yard line, or I threw a dumb pick when we're backed up. No fumble Nothing recoveries like that. for and touchdown like last game. Like, um, there was the – there was a – I get a field goal early on, and I, I can't remember the exact situation, and I'll have it better on when I, we go to the deep-dive breakdown. But I remember people I was watching the game with going, maybe they should go for it here. And I was like, no. This is a game, like – you're fine. You might have to win twelve to six, yes, or twelve to nine, yes, and you take every point possible, and you don't go oh fourth and a yard and a half. We can move around the Baltimore Ravens defense. Unless and jam you're it in the there. Saints, Colts, or Chiefs, I'm not going for it. And Rams, and I'm like down. I'm not going for it. Yeah, those four teams. It's a shootout. Like I'm not. Go- I'm kicking a field goal against the Patriots. Yeah, I'm not leaving points on the field against the Patriots. I, I certainly wouldn't. No, uh, I think you Rivers lo- didn't throw it great yesterday. I thought his arm looked a little weak in a few throws. Now I know there was wind going in one direction. I was going to say you're rooting for Philip. I am rooting for Philip. All yeah. right, Simpson Lefko breaking news: Chris Sims is admitting he's rooting for Philip Rivers. I am. He's I'm- rooting against Philadelphia, and he's rooting for Phil. Rivers. Yes, I am. I'm rooting for Phil Rivers. You know, hey, listen, I love Patrick Mahomes. Of course, I always respect the New England Patriots, and I really like Andrew Luck and Chris Ballard. It's 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 a year where I really enjoy all these teams. But yeah, Philip Rivers. I feel a little bit similar to like John Elway in 1997 when I was a 17 year old junior in high school and had watched John Elway fail in the Super Bowl as I grew up. And people blame him, even though I wanted to be like, are you kidding me? Do you really think that Broncos team was as good as that 49er team? So I would say you're gr- the hill that you will die on is that quarterbacks get blamed for too much that isn't their fault. Yes. Or get credit too much. Exactly right. Was the John Elway debate like the first time that you were like seeing that the rest of the public put too much on John Elway? Because in retrospect, 
the fact that he was getting blamed for anything looks ridiculous yeah. now. Well, yes. I would say that was one of the first times I was really aware of it. Because I, I remember, like, I, re- I want to say maybe around the Redskins Super Bowl loss with John Elway when they lost 42-10. to 10, I think I made a comment to my dad, like, oh, John Elway's not – I can picture my own son saying this to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. John Elway's not good. He lost two Super Bowls. And I remember my dad kind of, like, setting me straight, like, oh, no, Christopher, I – John Elway might be the best quarterback in the NFL. It's not his fault they're losing. Mm. And that kind of opened my eyes to it. And, yeah, I mean, I, that was my first instance of going, no, wait, they don't even get to the Super Bowl if they don't have John Elway. There's no, they had no business being there. He was the reason because of so many clutch moments and unbelievable plays. And then, yeah, they get to the Super Bowl and they're overmatched. You know, it was a little bit like, Peyton Manning went through with the Colts at some times where they're oh, oh they're the number 100%. one seed and they got upset. He's such a choke artist. They're the number he one seed. He threw two they picks in the Patriots. And I'm I like, want to be like, no, they were like a 10 and 6 team that he fooled you into thinking they're 13 and 3 because the sheriff delivered in the fourth quarter like every time. Also, a, the AFC South sucked for yeah, a very long it did time. did for a little while. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. Anything else? My, my only thing with the Chargers is. They're the only team that I feel like is better after their scripted plays. Like, I watch the Bears' scripted plays, and I go, man, that's the, I wish that offense was like that all game. Hmm. I feel like the Chargers are, never have good scripted plays, and it's like Phillip figures out the defense in the second and fourth quarters. Well, I think my number one – yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I do. Yeah, they are a team that kind of like – figures out how are they attacking us, and they adjust with their own set of plays or game plan. But their initial game plan never seems to work. Yeah, I I would agree. Well, I would say this. Really, one of the -the under-the-radar things we haven't been talking – the Chargers offense has really struggled down the stretch. Of course. And we haven't – it hasn't really got noticed. That's why I kept betting against them. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals game, it struggled. Okay, the Chiefs game. I know they came back and got two late touchdowns to win the game, but it wasn't a good performance throughout the game. You know, Steelers the game Ravens they struggled lost. too. I know it wasn't great either. They had the they had the lucky touchdown catch off the Hayden dropped interception. The return the for a touchdown, right? Um, the Broncos game at the end of the year that wasn't an impressive. It was not. So that oddly enough, we were questioning their defense going in the playoffs, and then they're big enough and they have the size and. Yeah, as I was watching that game yesterday, I was going, damn, this is like the fifth week in a row the Chargers offense hasn't really kind of hit on all cylinders. Keenan Allen is a great receiver, but he's a first-down guy, not a touchdown yeah, guy. Yeah, he needs other guys around him. Um, I, I look at their tight ends. I don't see anything there. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Eckler, they, they just don't look the same guys. There's not the same amount of burst. Melvin Gordon was breaking all these tackles in the beginning of the year and not doing it anymore. Now he's wearing two big bulky knee braces. There's two guys on that team that I believe should be getting the ball more. And they got the ball more in the Kansas City game. Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin. Both of those guys are the most athletic guys on the Chargers. When they needed a big play, they isolated him on Jimmy Smith in zero coverage and threw it over the top. Because guess what? Mike Williams, the 50-50 ball to Mike Williams, is more of a 75-25. to It's the reason you took him seventh overall out of Clemson. We saw what he did with Deshaun Watson. Lob it up. He's bringing it down. And Travis Benjamin is faster than 95% of the NFL. That amazing throw from Phillip Rivers in Kansas City that he threw when he wasn't even open yet, that was Travis Benjamin bending that bad boy and outrunning the corner there. Yep. I, th- I genuinely believe that those two guys need to get the ball more, and I wish Phillip took more ch- more shots earlier in games to try and just – just to Mike Williams. I, I might want... have to do that this week. You have to. Yeah. Playing the Patriots, those corners, they're going to challenge them. 
They're going to have some man better. Better team won that game as well, though. Uh, Chargers. Chargers is a better team, no doubt about it. I think the better team won all four games. My, no doubt. Not uh, for for my money. And I know I don't know everything, but and I would have argued going in that the Bears were the better team. No, you did argue. Yeah, and boy, but, were you wrong. But the question came through that yeah, they they proved it to me, and I'm willing to say that you were a chicken. Bet ten dollars at a chicken. Well, because on your I team. bet fifteen hundred and seventy on the Cowboys. We're so confident. Minus one and a half. Which is one of Are we the, gonna switch to that game now? Yes. Okay. One of the greatest moments in gambling history. The line closed at Cowboys two and a half. And they're up ten. And you're going, this game is over. But literally on this podcast. Let's see if I have that video. You bet your ass I do. On this podcast, I said... One team that's clearly better than the other, in my opinion. And what was the line we got on that? One and a half. One and a half. Well, oh, and my score, what was your score? I, I only did 23 to 20. I picked 27-17. I, I have 23-13 with like the the famous Russell Wilson touchdown with 115 le- left right. and without getting the kickoff onside. I hear you. So it ended up 24-22, the famous Russell Wilson touchdown with 118 left. But because Janikowski got hurt, attempting an insane field goal at the end of the half, the Seahawks decided to go for two instead of trotting out Michael Dixon, their punter, to maybe drop kick a field goal. And by getting the two, the Cowboys win 24-22. And all of those gamblers that had Cowboys minus two and a half lost a sure thing. That's horrible. The amount of people, Sims, that came for my neck saying there's no way I got the Cowboys at one and a half. Right. It's the first time where I wanted to call Josh and thank him for making us do our pick show on Thursdays. I went through and looked at the trends. There was one day in which the line was one and a half. It was two on Tuesday. It was one and a half at Wednesday when we got the lines. We start this podcast at 12.30 on Thursday. At 12.32, the line went back to two. Isn't that wild? It is wild. We got that half point. But it really did screw Vegas. Same because deal. a lot of people that bet Cowboys at minus one and a half won, and the people that took the Seahawks at plus two and a half, they won. So Vegas lost twice. Right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Incredible betting. I, I felt weird during that game because the pressure was off me once the Colts dominated, and I was yeah. kind of like, oh, it would be nice if the Cowboys didn't cover. But I put a lot of money in the Cowboys, too, so I wanted to be right. Cowboys dominated that game for the first two quarters, and like I said, we're up 6 nothing. And it just show, that's the scary thing about the Cowboys. Cowboys were clearly the better team, dominated the game for the most part. That is what's scary about the Cowboys is they can be dominating a game and you look up and you go, damn, they're only up 3 nothing. They've been kicking the crap out of this team. Um, you know, had a chance also to put the game away earlier when they were in field goal position. What was that late? Or was that early fourth quarter when he threw the interception to KJ Wright in the end zone? Which was. Was that pass interference? Well, it's probably pass interference, and it was certainly underthrown by about five yards. So, like, I'm not throwing it underthrown to your backup tight end. Yeah, it's just uh, 
that Dak Prescott's had a few of those plays every game the last few weeks. But then he has that third and 14 well, play. That was an amazing. That was play of the game right there. That was To me, that's the defining play of Dak Prescott's career at this yeah, point. Yeah, it really is for the most part. But that, that a was flip? a huge play. What would you say? His flip? Holy crap. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, it really was. Uh, And a third and 14 play that then gave them the touchdown to go up by 10, which was huge. And then, of course, the other big thing, and goes back to what we worried about with the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks run defense, not very good. One of the worst per play rush defenses in football. And really, the only reason they're not the one of the worst rush defenses in football because most teams go, well, we think we could throw on them. They play all these eight-man fronts, and they kind of scare people from running. But the big run by Ezekiel Elliott before the half was over, mm. that was a huge play. If I memory serves me right, yes, Seattle's up 6-3. to three, And Dallas is kind of just going, let's see if we can maybe jumpstart a drive and get into field goal range and just go in 6-6. Six to six. Then they get a third and one. And the then the Seahawks don't set the edge on the right side. To oh, me, it looked yes. like the safety king didn't play the outside gap and the right Zeke way. Just out and Zeke out went forty four yards up the sideline, went out of bounds, and they scored a touchdown to go up ten to six. And that was a huge part of the game, really. To me, right there, that's where the Seahawks lost. That they had been outplayed, came back, took the lead six to three in a game that they were being outplayed. And then had to go in the halftime and go, damn, we're down 10-6. That stinks. I thought the drive that culminated with the Dak uh, flip was the the way in which the Cowboys can advance. It was the 40-yard throw to Amari Cooper where Mm -hmm. he caught it and outran people. Then it was a Zeke run right up the middle for like 20 yards. And then it was Dak using his feet in the red zone. That's the Cowboys formula. Getting Cooper in space pounding you a Zeke, and then Dak's legs in the red zone yeah. are a very viable weapon. They really are. He's such a big man, and I'd like to see them continue to do that, certainly. Seattle social media, just so upset with Schottenheimer and their play calling for Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll comes out today and says, I wish we threw it more. Russell Wilson's coming out now and saying that, you know, it was working when we were throwing. I wish I kept throwing. On play action, they were something like 10 of 11, and he was he was doing anything he wanted. Uh, we saw in the second half that fourth and sixth throw they ran the ball in a 21 bucket times. to Doug Baldwin. It wasn't like they overran it. So I, I'm, I'm it gonna, just felt like run, run, Russ, save us. I get run, it. run, Russ, save us. But now everybody wants to say this. I mean, this is. But, but Sims, you know that in the playoffs, people don't pay attention to the regular season because they're looking at their fantasy teams or they're or they're watching like twelve I mean, games at once. Everybody, so here, this is when they. This is why guys get upset and fired. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is again. This is what got the Seahawks there. This style of play. And I told you earlier today, there was two plays where they cut to Pete Carroll, and they were on the excuse me, offensive side of the ball, and he grabbed his coaching mic, and I could read his lap, lips go, run it. Okay, so first of all, that's a organizational, philosophy. institutional philosophy. That's the type of play style they want to play. Defensive coaches love to play that style, especially when they know their defense, that's their little baby, is overmatched on the other side of the ball Keep like they were. The right? So they are, they're playing to protect their favorite entity, which is their defense. 
So that's the first thing. But the, this is the way the Seahawks have played all year long. You didn't become the number one rushing team in the NFL by throwing the ball all over the – so you can't have it both ways, football fans. That's just not the way it works. Yeah, so, but you know, when you got Russell Wilson – Well, this is the other thing that adds to it, though. This is why everybody comes out and says this. Because they look at the last drive when they're down by 10 and Dallas plays a soft zone prevent defense and they go th- – three plays and they're already down the field and then two plays later they score a touchdown. Everybody goes, look, that was so easy. Why haven't they been doing that all the game? Because Dallas didn't play those defenses all game. They weren't as aggressive there. Now, Russell made a great play and there was greatness from him. I mean, he's great. But they also realized that if they, first of all, Dallas controlled the clock, okay? So they're worried about their defense being just absolutely overpowered and gassed out, right? And then the other part of it is, come on, it's the worst. They're what like the worst pass protecting offensive line in football. Worse than the Texans. Second worst. They got sacked the two most out of any quarterbacks in football. A lot of people would say it's because they're mobile quarterbacks and they put themselves in. Those Certainly, I would also say they have prehistoric pass protections and they just they have a lot of big guys that don't move their feet that well and they're not good pass protectors. So they understood that they weren't going to be able to live with Russell Wilson dropping back to throw. If it became that type of game, Dallas would have adjusted and it would have it would have changed. And you would have saw Russell Wilson running around and nobody open. And they just didn't want to play that style. That's not what they were this year. So the, I, the first round pick of Rashad Penny doesn't look so good right it's now. It's gonna be good. I don't have any doubt about it. It really will be good. I know he's still banged up and he's been dealing with injuries. He's more talented than those other guys. He just you know, he just had a weird year. How did you feel after the game about the Cowboys going forward? The Cowboys are, you know, they're scary for both sides of the coin. Because, like we said, they can dominate a game, and you look up and you go, "Damn, they're losing six three. I mean, they in in this game against the Rams, they could be up like thirteen to three in the third quarter, and then the Rams get like a touchdown, and there's a Cowboys fan. You're going, "Holy crap!" Yeah, right. Like huh. we're, we're we could lose this game. There's no doubt about that. But they can also win these type of games, and 100%. they're good at that too. So they're a dangerous football team. I don't think I've ever seen the final eight so wide open. You could justify any Super Bowl matchup, in my opinion, oh. where I can literally say, like, if somebody was like, I think it's going to be this team Cowboys, or that team. Colts revenge. I would just I go, go I, I get okay, it. I can see it. I mean, it's not crazy. Other years, I'd go, like, you're insane. There's no way that can happen. This year, you could literally go on both sides and go, yeah, okay. Like Colts-Eagles. Yeah. And there's the there are the two number six seeds. Yeah, right. I know. I mean, it's like, I don't expect you guys to beat the Saints this weekend, but... That's why the Steelers should be so pissed. Yeah, no doubt. If they got in, they would have been very dangerous. Um, what else about that game? Do we miss anything? Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's game? anything else. I'm just trying to think, too. Blake Charwin had a few good catches. Good old close Blake. To the old eyebrow line. Um, Chris, I, I just was really happy that the Cowboys stayed patient with their run game. They did that. They played to their strength. I thought that was a big positive of the football game. Um, and I guess that would be the about it. Hey, listen, it was a great year for the Seattle Seahawks. They exceeded expectations. Oh my gosh, and they're they. building towards the future and really have a chance again to go on another run here with you know a, few, a good draft and a few free agents. And watch out. Seattle's back in the mix. I mean, I really respected what Seattle did this year. I really did. This is a year nobody expected them to be real competitive, and it just shows you that they have great, um, they have a great overall view of the game and know how to coach 
and play complimentary football. And they also showed me that Pete Carroll and John Schneider have an incredible eye for talent and knew what they Which were doing. Which people made you think that? Well, just they knew what they were doing when it was, okay, Earl Thomas, you want to sit out? Mm. Fine. We got Tedrick Thompson. We think he's pretty good, and he is. Or, you know, okay, Richard Sherman, you can go. We got Shaquille Griffin. We'll be all right, and we'll make it happen. I mean, I think they they knew what they had as far as guys that could help out the team and still be competitive this year. Super happy Tyler Lockett had the year he did. Yep. Man, was that incredible. I think, you know what, the other thing I took away from Cowboys-Seahawks? Yeah. The worst part about football is what happened to Alan Hearns. Oh. Here, Alan Hearns catches this slant on a big third down the first half, and I'm going, ooh, are we about to get Alan Hearns as an X factor in this game? It's a gruesome injury of a clear pop. Apparently, it came through the skin. But there's... Man, this is the thing about your sport, is when it's the game shut down for 15 minutes and we're all watching this man coming to grips with his season is done, who knows what's going to happen to next year in his contract? He's thinking about all the money, all the all the the repair that's going to take. I didn't even watch it. Time. I couldn't watch. But just to sit there for 15 minutes and all of the momentum from like excitement about the game is turned off. Mm-hmm. And I, I tweeted this out, that that's the hardest part about football. And the responses I got were, stop being a, a wimp. Football's a tough game. And I'm going, see, y'all don't even give a shit about this guy. Hmm. Y'all don't care. For you, it's like injuries are a part of football. Yeah, fine. But like, I'm just saying that when I turn on the NBA Finals, Draymond Green doesn't break his leg in the second game. Yeah, he's not laying on the ground, and we go, wait, his foot's turned the wrong way. Like Alan Hearns, I, I knew Alan Hearns was hurt was the second he got the wrong tackled. Way. I saw it too. He was laying down, and I was like, wait, his foot's going the wrong way. It doesn't look like the other foot. Oh man, Steph Curry, no worries though. Next guy up, he'll be fine. It's it's just a hard thing about the NFL. It's because yeah. like when you watch it all the time and you cover it, the matchups mean something to you, and the humans mean something to you and for all those people out there that were telling me to suck it up and stop being a wimp man i just nfl twitter and social media is really bad like compared to the other sports and i know i'm ridiculous wearing a ski mask right right now but it'll probably be big on social oh man it's gonna kill but like nba social media is like so fun and it's all about like the, the the enjoyment and the nfl social media is like you're wrong you're an idiot your team sucks i hope they get hurt like it's just the dumbest people on Twitter. Yeah, well, there's more meatheadedness in football, the fans, the players, all of it. So I get that. And, you know, now that you're here with this point, I'm going to say what I've always wanted to say about this whole thing. Turf? No. Oh. This is where I believe. Oh, this is a good one. Gloves. The gloves. The gloves that players are wearing, the gloves that you see all the receivers make these amazing one-hand catches for you. If you haven't tried them on, anybody out there? It's like glue. Go get a pair, and you'll go, damn, it's easy to catch the ball with them. Yeah, and I'm, I'm Keyshawn. I mean, yeah, and, and still, hey, listen, these receivers got talent, and they got great hands regardless, but this is what scares me about the gloves, and this is where I think it's a player health problem, okay? And hear me out. The gloves, what they are doing, and like you saw with Alan Hearns, guys don't fall off of players anymore. 
because they can hold on to anything with those gloves. You could hang somebody from the George Washington Bridge with those gloves, and he could hang there for three hours before he'd lose grip. That's how strong it is. I mean, it's it's truly unbelievable if you have not tried it. But to me, the big issue is, and you've seen me explain this before, is Hey, when I was growing up and Walter Payton or Emmett Smith, they stiff-armed somebody, people went trying to hold them, they go down. I'm going to stand up for this. Now you got a great running back, like let's say Saquon Barkley, and he pushes the guy, and he should go down because he's 50 pounds lighter than Saquon Barkley, and Saquon's got an explosive right thing, but they have these gloves, and they don't fall. So then they fall, but they bring you with them, and all of a sudden the running back or the runner is stuck in and some collapses on his leg with the guy falling on his leg, and that's where I do. And you think that's what happened with Alan Hearns? No doubt about it. There was a number of tackles in that game Seattle knows how to what I would call like hog tie and fall. They love to just grab and we're gonna let all our and body just weight down and body jerk weight. you down. And it's a dangerous way to play. I know some teams don't like it. They think it's somewhat dirty how they do it, but it's not dirty. It's just physical and they're getting you to the ground. Dirtiness isn't allowed in my football. But I do think the gloves thing is real, man. I really do. I see it a number of times. I see guys making one-handed tackles on 240-pound running backs, and they just stick out a hand and grab it onto the jersey, and they pull guys to the ground. And I'm just telling you, the guy that's holding them with one hand, he's not that strong. you know. But since he has that glove on, he could never lose loses that grip. I think it's one of the smarter things you've said. Thanks. And because you said two smart things in your life, congratulations. Thank you very much. What was the other one? The other one was, you know what? I like this Lefko guy. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think I think you really have to try the gloves to understand. Because when the first time I put the gloves on is the first time I said, I could do a jugs machine. Because you just feel like a superhuman. You feel yeah. like Spider-Man. Yeah, right. I've never experienced anything like it before. Yeah. But it does suck that it happens to Alan Hearns. Colts, Texans. Man, this one went according to plan. All these games, we went four and zero. I went three and one, but oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Colts, Texans. Um, I got a, I got a lot of DMs after that game. Going, should Bill O'Brien lose his job? No, I know, definitely not. I mean, this is the first time he's gone to the playoffs with a real quarterback. So, you know, let's let's be patient there. They got some issues on their. Their roster they need to fix. But all the things we worried about with the Texans all came true, right? That it's all Deshaun Watson, that they're running, their offensive line can't block good defenses and open up holes for the run game. It's all about him and Hopkins mm. just making it happen. And and like I said, Hopkins did not play well against the he Colts. Did not. He did I'm not really play. interested to see what they did, too. You know, just as far as how they approach, yeah. Because a lot of people away. were saying that Hopkins was a little bit banged up yes. at some point, but no, I, yeah, I'm interested to see that for Wednesday. Right. Ty Hilton did Ty Hilton things against the Texans like he always does right, because that pass defense is bad, and we thought like right, we were wondering. You were the one all over it. Well, it just you know, it's a, it was a bad matchup for the Texans because I have never seen this Watt line, and Clowney yeah. get pushed around like that. Yeah, do yeah. this offensive line it's the best in football. I I, I want to say that like. All NFL players are enormous. The linemen are always big. There have been a few that when we went to Dallas and we saw Greg Hardy and Tyron Tyron Smith, that it really impacted me because I thought they were huge. Even seeing the video of the Colts offensive line sitting on the bench, they're bigger than I'm used to seeing. Yeah. 
They're impressive too. They're like put together yes. differently than a normal big guy. They have like some athletic looking traits to their bigness. Which... I still want to come in and go. Is it Quentin Nelson that good? And of course he is. Yeah. But it's just it's wild that he's that good right away. Yeah, I know. Just like Zach Martin was. It's really it's from it's, it's it's unbelievable. Two guys from the same school. Quentin Nelson is so good that we don't talk about Zach Martin anymore. No, you're right. Which is wild. You're right. I think he took the throne of the best guard in football this year. Um, but this is why the Colts are dangerous, and this is why the Colts are dangerous against the Kansas City Chiefs, because guess what? Kansas City's got a horrible pass defense just like the Texans, and they rely on Jones, Houston, and D. Ford to get after the quarterback to save that secondary, and that is not going to happen against this offensive line. So that's where I go, damn, would I be shocked if the Colts upset the Kansas City Chiefs? No, but getting back to this game, I mean, that was the game is the fact that their O-line had that way with that D-line. And you heard me say that J.J. Watt kind of fell off down the end. I mean, still really good, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, the the Texans are built on we need our D-line to dominate and make a mess of things, and they found the one team that said, huh, you're not making a mess of us. We can pass protect against you all day long. And when we run – I mean, there was a few runs in that game, Lefko. I was like, oh my gosh, they collapsed the whole side of the oh, line. Oh, dude, it was incredible. I mean, it's incredible uh, how well coached they are, how good. Who's the coach of the year for you? So I would say it's Frank between Reich, Frank Anthony Reich, Lynn. Anthony Lynn. I'm going to say Nagy yeah. in there, too. I'm going to say Sean Payton should yeah, be up for sure. it. I think Belichick should be up for it, too. Because yeah. when you look at the Patriots roster, the fact that they ended up with a bye is insane. I also think Andy Reid should be up there. As a possible coach. I know. It's a tough year. And he's never going to get mentioned. Um, So that was most of the teams. That was. I think it's Reich or Lynn, in my opinion. And why did you narrow it down to those two? Because I just think those are two guys who... So the typical coach of the year goes to the guy that turns it around the most. Right. Reich is right up there. They had a top five pick. Lynn just missed the playoffs last year. Nagy, fourth in the NFC North, turned it around. Right. I just look at Reich in that situation. I mean, come on. Just like he held up last week. Most of us, I think even me included, had him like 29 in their first power rankings. You know, Most people had him as the 32nd best team yes, in football did. when they started. So that to me, uh, and to start 1-5 and five and turn it around and get your team to believe, that's a huge deal. Anthony Lynn, I give him because the Chargers have been cursed. They've messed up football games for the last seven yeah, or eight years. No. They moved to L.A., I knew who had all those issues. Is. And I'm not giving it to Matt Nagy because, first of all, the defense was phenomenal already, and they got Khalil Mack. And to me, Ryan Pace should be executive of the year. You're, na- you're, you're getting it so, for me. Yeah, Ryan Pace is my executive of the year, which knocks out Nagy. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP, so he doesn't get it. Bill Belichick, I don't think, had uh, as great as some of the other guys, and they did slow off on some. My coach of the year is going to be Sean Payton Mm. because I believe that no one consistently came out with great game plans more than Sean Payton. I thought he motivated them through the tough part of their schedule. I thought he won most of the big games that they've played, and I thought his willingness to incorporate all those other pieces in the offense, guys I've never heard of before. What he did with Taysom Hill was a coaching marvel. He ran plays and formations we've never seen. I would say Sean Sean McVay was the leader in the clubhouse through the first eight weeks. He hit that bye and it went out the window. Right. But I think the battle in my mind, this is the Lefko vote, 
which is non-official, would be Reich versus Payton. And I would go with Sean Payton. But I think Chris Ballard and Pace are up for executive of the year. Right. But I think, for me, it's Reich and Payton. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I got no. If Sean Payton won the award, I'd be happy. He's the best coach in the yeah. NFL, yeah. other than Belichick. Yeah, no. I, I mean, really, it, to me, if Payton, Reich, Payton, Reich, or uh, Anthony Lynn win it, I'm happy there either way. Matt Nagy did some really good things. I get that. I'm going to sit here and tell you, though, I still don't love the Bears' offense. I just don't. And I didn't see people it's open horizontal. all day long. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of horizontal. And I know Mitchell Trubisky's still learning it. Maybe the full offense isn't even in yet. But fascinating year, man. I'm just, I don't remember it ever being this wide open. And the matchups this week could go either way. All right, so I have uh, some numbers right here uh, from, I believe, I don't want to give credit. This is Bet Online. Right. For likelihood of Super Bowl matchups. What do you believe is the most likely Super Bowl matchup right now? Saints Patriots. It is Saints Chiefs at four to one. Wow. It is Saints Patriots at five to one. It's mm. a home field advantage. So I yeah. think that I helps. would take Saints Chiefs right now, but I am really solely betting b- taking that if Sammy Watkins is playing. If he wasn't, that would change me. Third is Rams Chiefs. Which I think it's fun to think about all the notions. Rams Chief, that rematch, oh my gosh, yeah. the, the the numbers would be insane. The one after that is Rams Patriots at mm. eight to one, so that's two versus two. After that, it's Saints Chargers at eight to one. The least likely is Eagles Colts mm. at thirty three to one, and tied with them is Cowboys Colts at thirty three to one. Not a bad bet. No, none of them are bad. So your Eagles are really the team. Well, I mean, the Eagles have the hardest think obstacles about, think to about overcome. Think about these storylines. Think about these storylines. Saints, Chiefs, Breeze, Mahomes, MVP battle. Saints, Patriots, Sean Payton, Drew Breeze versus Tom Brady will take over. 82 years of quarterbacks. Unbelievable. Rams, Chiefs, rematch from that in- incredible game. Rams, Patriots, the future of coaching versus the greatest coach that's ever been. Saints, Chargers, Drew Breeze let go from his former team taking on Phillip Rivers. Saints, Colts, rematch from the Super Bowl in which Sean Payton kicked the the onside kick. Rams Chargers, the Battle of LA. Rams Colts. That's a little hard. Rams Colts. Offensive explosion. Andrew Luck versus Sean McVay. It'd be qu- it'd be like that O line versus that Rams D line. Oh my that'd god, would that be great? Nelson versus Donald. Cowboys Chiefs. Mm. Wow, that would be wild. That would be. Patrick Mahomes versus the America's team. Uh, Eagles Chiefs, Andy Reid versus his former protege, Doug Peterson. Cowboys Patriots, I mean, that might be the highest-ranking Super Bowl ever in terms of fan bases. Uh, Eagles Patriots, we just saw it last year. Cowboys Chargers, Zeke versus Gordon. That sounds great. They're all good to me, though. I don't look at any of them and go, oh, that would be a bad matchup all or a matchups. bad game. right? Why do we not want to break down Texans-Colts? I just felt like it was blatant. Well, I think we, we kind of got it to all of it. We talked about the Colts. I think we kind of predicted that one too well. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we had a good feel for that game in general, and it kind of just laid out there in front of us. I mean, we saw one offense come out and get the ball twice and go, oh, we can run, oh, we can protect and throw, oh, we can run, we can protect and throw, oh, we're up 21 nothing. shocking. And then we saw another offense that we said, damn, it's only about two guys every week, and they can only run on the really shitty run defenses in football. They can never run the ball in any respectable defense, and that all kind of came true. 
and we just kind of watched it happen. Mm. But yeah, they, they, you know, the Texans got to get better up front on the offensive line. They got to get more diverse with passing schematics. Uh, I do think they're a little too simple there. They got to change their approach on the offensive side of the ball just a little bit and expand. Um, and the Colts are, you know, quietly flying under the radar here. I don't know why it's quiet. I've yeah, already it's told you. Not quiet. I've already told you that it, the underdogs in the last two playoffs are fifteen and one. And I'm not gonna lie, I love all four underdogs. What's this you got week. the lines already? Let me yeah. get the lines. You want to guess them? Yeah. Uh, sure. We're gonna steal something from Bill Simmons, but he's stolen things from everybody, so it's even. Um, Cowboys at Rams. What do you think the Rams are favored? Mm. Don't look. No, I'm not looking. I'm got NFL Jesus open. Just say uh-huh. no. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Rams by five. Rams by seven. Oof! Wow. Okay. Taking the Cowboys. Yeah. I would bet Cowboys money line there. Do you know what that means? They just pick them to win? Yeah. Okay. And you get a lot more money because wow. you're saying they're going to win. Right. Uh, Chiefs, Colts. Colts at Chiefs. Colts at Chiefs. Oof. I'm going to say it's Chiefs by six and a half. Very close. Chiefs by six. Okay. I The Colts at six sounds yeah. great. Yeah. I, the thing that's just scary about the Chiefs is... Yeah, two Tyreek Hill bombs in a row. game but, could be tied and he throws a bomb with... But look, I, if you bet Colts money line there, I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're crazy either. Chargers, Patriots. These are what they opened at. Yeah, so Pats are... No, 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 this is still... This is pretty accurate. Pats are favored... Man, I'm going to say the Pats are favored by a touchdown. Four Seven. and a half. Wow, a little Smallest lower Smallest line of the week. And you know what? If you took Chargers money line, I don't think you're crazy. No, I agree. And then Eagles, I would at least like that's that the one, one I the don't line. like. Yes, maybe spread, but Eagles Saints. Hmm. Okay, so the Saints. Yeah, because the weird thing about the AFC is the Colts own the Chiefs in the playoffs, yeah. and the Patriots own the Chargers. Right. If you're looking at history, right? So, I guess I'm going to say Saints by eight. Exactly. Oh, okay. Put me in Vegas. And you know what? If yeah. you bet the Eagles money line, I don't think you're crazy. You think they're crazy. I wouldn't bet that bet. I wouldn't bet any of these bets. I don't bet. All right. Unless it's fake money. What? Which game are you most excited to watch on film from this past week? Oh, uh, the one I'm most excited to watch on film, I think, is Eagles-Bears, followed by Chargers-Ravens. Followed by Cowboys Seahawks because yeah. I know what happened in the Colts game. I know the Colts really. I know the Texans really well, and I know what they do on defense. And I feel like I got a pretty good feel for the Colts offense to where that game was kind of played out the way I expected, and what we saw on TV I'm, was pretty I'm real. I'm positive that we went like seven and one last year in the playoffs before the championship With spreads. Game. Like I, I feel like we've gone four and zero in the wild card games or three and one for like the last few years. You think so? Yeah, yeah. The wild cards. Well, this is the first year where I felt like the wild card matchups were were real. Did we? Did I don't know. Here's last year's. I probably picked the Chiefs to beat the Titans last year. I don't know. The Titans had that game. I picked the Titans and I got that one right. You, you got, got that it right. Wrong. Rams, yeah. Falcons. Damn, I don't know who I picked. We both picked the Falcons. Did we? Yeah. Okay, so we got that. We got Bills Jaguars from last year. I got that wrong. You took the Bills? No, the Jaguars didn't cover. It was ten to seven. That ten to three. I yeah, the Jaguars know. were favored by like nine. Oof. And then the Saints Panthers, which I know we both took the Saints, or I thought uh, we did. I oh know. no, we did really bad. 
Thank you, everybody. We wasted your time with that five mon- five minutes that you can't have. Hope back you guys were cool with me wearing the ski mask the entire time. E A G L E S Eagles. I bless you. God, get that out of here, bro. I'm a saint. Uh, four Sims. Peace out, homies. I am the uh, oh four Fendrick. Good evening. Sorry, I was gonna look at that camera and sign off. I am the L E F K O E man. We will holla, holla, holla at you next time. Wednesday will be fun. And again, head down to Atlanta, Dan Tanis, get a room, stay at an Airbnb, have fun. We're going to have a blast and we're excited to see you. How much weight did you lose? Dude, I'm up. Do I look skinny? No, I'm saying you lost weight with the mask.